Blog Talk Radio. And uh, the messages that they said when they won those awards and 
uh, about how, you know, uh, gay marriage, it's, it's just marriage. There is no difference. We're all equal. It, it, I teared up a bit. It was a beautiful thing. Um, he made a beautiful speech when he won the award for that song as Best Message Song. And um, that was quite moving, and it was cool to have Jennifer Hudson come out, look and fly, uh, and do her thing. And this lady, uh, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name, um, but she, as of last night, the, the lady with Jennifer Hudson on stage and, and Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, she's, she's a celebrity as of last night. The other thing uh, that was probably why, well, definitely why the ratings were up 66% this year is because there was this heavily reported, oh, by the way, her name is Mary Lambert, not to be confused with Miranda Lambert, who's married to Blake Shelton. Um, now, she, uh, it, it, as I said, is a celebrity as of today, but the, the other thing, the reason why the ratings are so high now is because there was this heavily reported rumor um, that NSYNC would be reuniting with Justin Timberlake during his Vanguard performance. Now, I remember the first year that MTV gave out that video Vanguard award, and it was to Michael Jackson, and it was like 2001 or two or something. And um, it was uh, it was a weird moment because they they had Britney Spears come out and present him with this award, but the award was like kind of just made up. You know, they like it was almost like they tricked him into being there by creating this award, and now of course it's named after him. Um, to me, it's a little weird to give a 33-year-old a Lifetime Achievement Award um, like Justin Timberlake. But, hey, I mean, <laughs> is there anything the man doesn't do? So uh, the reunion with NSYNC, I thought it would be a little uh, longer. Um, so I was a little disappointed there. But it was really cool to see all five of them on stage together again. And uh thought everyone kind of looked pretty bad, except for Lance. Lance looked amazing. Um so uh, props to JT and Lance for, for pulling it together. Uh, but uh, maybe JC, I don't know. He was too busy being awkward to, for me to pay attention to how he looked. But it was really awesome to see them on stage together again. Boy, that, that brought me back to the days of when MJ came out as a surprise during that in-sync uh, performance at that VMAs that one time. But... Uh, his performance was phenomenal as, as Justin Timberlake. So it was just this kind of 20 minute epic performance. And it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I, I went to see him and Jay-Z a couple, uh, like a month ago at Yankee stadium. And I just sat there in awe. like, is there anything this guy doesn't do? He was singing, dancing, playing piano, guitar, et cetera. The only thing I was surprised by other than the NSYNC reunion kind of being a little anticlimactic um, in terms of their performance and the, the short versions of the song, the two songs that they chose, was that he did suit and tie at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and there was no Jay-Z. That was a little weird. I mean, Lil' Kim was even there, and she even looked black again. I, I remember the last time I seen her, she looked like she was Asian. So, you know, where was Jay-Z at this, you know, his the stadium he helped build? Um, and I know Beyonce was at the after parties because she was up in there doing doing her uh, thing in her little black dress, but I don't know if Jay was with her or not. Speaking of after parties, uh, after I watched the VMAs last night at Sire Tom Fogarty's house, went over to uh, 29th or 28th and 10th, and uh, my friend Joanna got me into, like, the official after party for the VMAs. Let me tell you, it was whack. Aside from the fact that there were free drinks and shit, 
um, there was like there was nobody there, like no celebrities or nothing. There was someone from Jersey Shore or something, but who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, it was really whack, and nobody really seemed to be uh, enjoying themselves. <laughs> uh, but there were free drinks, so oh, and there were also these delicious uh, like either caramel lies or or uh, toff toffee lies. Does that can I use that? Um, Tofficated uh, pretzels that they were just fantastic. They were very addicting. Um, anyway, uh, it, it was it was a long night, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching it at the Wizard of Waverly Place's house beforehand, uh, because Tom Fogarty has this beautiful place on Waverly Place, and he uh, we ended the night before I went to the after party with him and me dancing to Telly Savalas music that he was playing uh, from his stereo on CDs. It was weird to see someone with CDs still, especially because he keeps pretty current with everything. But I guess he, he like, actually goes and buys CDs and stuff. Uh, So props to him for that. But we were listening to Kojak, and uh, it was amazing. Um, What else is is going on? Uh, Oh, didn't you think that Taylor Swift and Selena Gomez looked – like they were up to no good last night. To me, they just looked as if, like they were, especially when Macklemore and Ryan Lewis won that award and then they kissed their booze. They got up and they walked by T-Swizzle and Bieber-X. And when they walked by them, they the way that those girls looked at them, it was like they were trying to, they were eyeing them like they were giving them the sex eyes. Like, yeah, let's, let's, let's get it on and popping. Um, and uh, I guess when, Har- when One Direction was up there presenting an award, or accepting an award or something, uh, the camera kind of caught Taylor Swift saying, shut the fuck up or something when Harry Styles was talking. Uh, so that was phenomenal. I-, I love that moment. You know, she really, everyone loves her, and she's like America's sweetheart, but she bothers the crap out of me. Every time she goes up and, and accepts an award, I want Kanye West to come back out. You know, I, I don't know. You can be as angry at Kanye as you want, but he was right. Oh, that's the other thing. I loved Kanye West's performance last night. It was amazing to me. I love that song, and unlike some people, I love when he does the auto-tune stuff because I think that he kind of took what was, especially when 808s and Heartbreaks came out, he took what was popular at the time and then mastered it. Like, he took that T-Pain whackness, but then he he came out with this incredibly dark, um, very well-produced album, 808s and Heartbreaks, and this, you know, on the new album, there's a couple tracks that harken back to that one. And one of them is the one that he was doing last night. I forget what it's called, Blood on the Leaves or something. Um, but I, I love that song. I thought that was uh, fantastic. And it was very creative and artsy and everything. And that was awesome. But Kevin Hart was a little awkward. You know, he he kept coming out and saying he wasn't hosting. Oh, I hate, I hate when award shows don't have a host. That bothers me so much. Uh, you know, just get someone. Get someone out there. Get Ryan Seacrest or Carson Daly. Just somebody to kind of hold the night together like glue. The worst is when the Golden Globes don't have a host. That winds up being such a catastrophe. Um, And then Kevin Hart kept coming out and just saying stuff that wasn't funny. And he kept repeating it, like, turned out, turned out. And I love his stand-up. I do love his stand-up because in my bank account, I got a checking the same. It's great. Hilarious routine. Uh, However, terrible last night. Um, But all this talk about Molly Ray Cyrus today, I think, is is quite ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, you know, it, overall, I think it was a good show. The only performances I really remember are Macklemore's and in, in Sinks. Um, 
But uh, other, other than that, uh, I guess overall it was a good show. Uh, we're going to welcome Young Cropes in just a second. I have these two uh, fortune cookies in front of me, so we're going to open them live on the air. Let's see what's popping off. By the way, Tamika Kidd is not here tonight because she's looking for an apartment, I believe. Seems like she does this every few months, and I'll tell you the reason why. is because she does do this every few months. Uh, okay. This fortune cookie says, the only people who never fail are those who never try. All right. Well, I must be trying a lot then. Uh-huh. And the second fortune cookie I will read for you. Let's see. Oh. Shit, I dropped it on the floor. All right. And I'll give it to John Weeks to eat. You're never a loser until you quit trying. Jeez, this is the same shit. Uh, at least vary it up a little bit. Uh, I guess it's kind of random the way that they pick them, though. But all right. Um, so uh, our first guest is a rapper, producer, and studio engineer. Please welcome to the program, Young Cropes. Young Cropes, how are you, man? Mr. Mr. Holmes, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, sir. What's going on tonight with you? Not much. First, man, I want to thank you for having me on the show. It's a it's an honor to be on a on a show. It's been a while since I've been interviewed, so it's uh it's definitely an honor. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Thanks for uh, reaching out. Our uh, what what have you been up to lately, musically? What have you been up to in the studio? Um, I'm actually working on a, on a mixtape right now, which I'm going to try to release October first. And uh, it's called Collaboration Dedication. It's going to be my fifth volume. Every year I try to do one, like, right around this time. And uh, what I do with that is, um, is I'm an underground artist, for those of you who don't know that are tuned in, um, go by the name Young Cropes. And uh, I'm 20 years old. I've been rapping since I've been, like, 21. It's, it turned out to be just, like, a hobby, something for fun. And uh, and I guess I've stuck around doing it, so I can I guess I can go ahead and say it's turned into something more serious. But... The mixtape I'm working on that's coming out um, October 1st features, like, people that have hit me up online or um, through text messaging or, or wherever, and they've wanted to collab, and they're from all over the country. Like, done songs people from California, New York, uh, back in Milwaukee, my hometown, um, songs people down here. And then I try to incorporate um, uh, remixes also, like I did um, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters, and I remix that into a hip-hop track. And uh, somebody's watching me, and I tried to do the whole Michael Jackson singing part of somebody's watching me and then make my own rap verses to it. So I tried to like, make some comedy also and remixes and collaborations, and it's my fifth volume that I'm putting out. Um, this will be the fifth year that I'm doing one. And uh, also an album, which I'm trying to do the beginning of the year sometime in January. Um, it's self-titled right now, but I have three singles that I put on iTunes for it. and um, It'll be my first actual official album I'm putting out, so I'm kind of pumped about that. And that'll be in wow. January, you say? Yeah, trying to shoot for um, the beginning of the year. There's no, like, official release date yet for it, but I'm shooting for the beginning of the year. And uh, awesome. viewers can can check out previews of a few songs on iTunes. And uh, it's all stuff that I produced. Like, I used to be one of the rappers that would just download the free beats and shit like that. And I've steered away from doing that because, like, if you're going to do a whole hip-hop thing, it's like you you got to be more creative, you know what I mean, and, like, and start making your own beats and shit. Like, if you, start, if you download them for free and it's, like, it loses its creativity. So 
because I'm making all the beats or, or buying them for this album, it's going to be an official album. So I'm like super stoked about that. So do you produce all the, uh, most of the beats yourself or do you use other producers? What's your, uh, what's your preference? Yeah, now I do. Now I, now I try to go mm-hmm. with using my own beats. Um, but I used to download them for free, but there's, uh, some other producers like back in Milwaukee, there's a song I did called brothers till the end with a guy named alter ego and the producer who's also from Milwaukee who goes by the name of super ego beats. And I purchased the beat off of him. Um, and I've also purchased a beat off this guy from Germany. Um, ironic cause that sounds like all the way from Germany called all around mm-hmm. the productions. And he's done stuff with like, I think KRS one and one of the bone thug members, like he's worked with like some pretty legitimate people. So trying to throw a few in there that I've from producers that I've worked with. And then also, um, a lot of my own origin, original beats, but I'm steering towards my own, creating my own beats and being my own producer now because it's just more original, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, uh, Milwaukee. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Bruce city. Bruce city. Bruce city. Yep. Milwaukee. And do you, who does, who do what, uh, rappers does one look up to growing up as a kid in Milwaukee? I read that you, uh, oh, that what was interesting about your bio is the first rapper mentioned was Coolio. I thought that was kind of a strange, uh, thing that he was first out of a, a list that included some, you know, Tupac and Naughty by nature and whatnot. Yeah, well, the reason Coolio, and it sounds funny, but it's like, and you can probably relate to when you're younger, the one song that stuck out by him was Gangster's Paradise. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was just something about that beat. And, you know, I was only like nine or ten years old. And um, just hearing that, been spending most of our lives, like, and that beat, I just thought it was so cool. I didn't even understand, like, you know, the meaning behind the song because I was like nine or ten, but that was like that put the icing on the cake for me and being like a hip hop fan. And I'm like, and just the crazy hair and the like funny shit he would talk about in some of the songs. I'm it, like, he just influenced me. And my mom actually took the CD away from me because she thought the lyrical content was too foul. And uh, <laughs> I think that, that inspired me more to want to write my own music actually. Cause it was like, she's going to take my shit away. And, and back then all we had was like radios and tape players that you could record, you know, songs onto the tape right from the radio like it's mm-hmm. like the internet didn't really blow up as much yet where you could just go on there and download any song you wanted so sure. um, I, I would sit in my room after she took my cds away and i would just hit you know record on the tape deck and record stuff off the radio and uh coolio and outcast and dj quick and uh dr dre and snoop and all of them were like even though a lot of it was like west coast and i wasn't from the west coast that that was just like the music i thought was so cool as a kid and then uh I think my mom taking my CDs away kind of made me want to like write my own songs. And I actually started playing guitar before I started rapping um, back in like 2007. But mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just something interesting with the hip hop. And I started and now it's like I've been this long doing it. I feel like I can't get it up, you know. How did playing uh, guitar lead to rapping? Were you playing guitar and rapping? Were you singing? What were you doing when you first started to learn guitar? Kind of. I was kind of rapping when I would play, like for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when we, we'd be drinking and stuff, like me and my roommates, when I lived with a few guys up in Milwaukee, and then uh, I don't know. I just like put the guitar down and it started collecting dust. Like I don't know why I lost interest in it, but I just lost interest temporarily. And then uh, me and my roommates were all sitting around and um, we were smoking weed or whatever. I don't know if I can talk about that on here, but <laughs> it's the internet. Uh, Anything goes. <laughs> 
All right. Well, yeah, well, anyway, we're smoking weed. And um, we made a song called Everlasting Bowl for, like, we were having a little party, and all the people in our apartment complex were like, you know, this is all, these, these guys are pretty good. And we called it, we started a group and called it Brew City Ballers. And um, it was about a, a bowl of weed that we passed around that seemed like it never went out. Like, it just kept burning. So we, we just started freestyling, made a song called Everlasting Bowl, and they encouraged us to write more songs. And uh, we made three mixtapes, and this was back in, like, 06, 07. So it kind of just started for fun, drinking with, like, roommates after I put down the guitar. And um, and then I moved here in 2009 with my wife, and uh, I started doing my own solo hip-hop stuff. And I still haven't picked up the guitar, even though I wanted to. And um, I've been doing shows down here in Tampa, St. Pete, and Ybor City, and Bartow and all around the Tampa area and um just networking with a lot of other people down here. And uh what made like you set move from Milwaukee to Tampa? What was the uh decision there? Oh man, I had to get away from the cold weather to be honest oh, really? with you. Like yeah. As a kid I just always wanted to move somewhere warmer and uh Cali was like one of the places we were gonna go because my wife's a hairstylist and she thought she'd do really good out there, you know, doing hair. And uh, I wanted to go to school for music and pursue the hip-hop and playing guitar out in Cali because that's, you know, no better place to be really than, like, L.A. and Hollywood here networking, doing music. But it's just mm-hmm. too expensive. So we're like, well, another place we thought of that wouldn't be as expensive would be um, Florida, like in between Tampa and Orlando. It's just we wanted to be somewhere near Tampa and Orlando, and uh, that's where we ended up coming and it was really just the cold weather and just to get away and try something new. And um, I was getting in a little bit of trouble up there, too, not with, like, the law or anything, but, like, just hanging around, like, a few people that I shouldn't have been hanging around with, you know, that were, like, influencing me in a bad way. And uh, I was getting tired of certain friends and family, like, the, just the drama. And I'm like, you know what, it's just time to start fresh and go somewhere warm. And if I don't like it, I can always go back. And uh, Have you cut off ties with those people or, or have you, have you all made amends? No, no. The guys that I used to rap with up there and um, that I was friends with, we're still good. Um, we still talk and we're all married now and have kids. So it mm-hmm. makes it a little bit harder, you know, to work on music altogether. But yeah. Um, yeah, we all just kind of started doing our own thing after we moved out from being roommates, which I guess is just part of growing up, you know? And, uh, but music, I think, whether it's hip-hop or playing the guitar or whatever it is, producing or just even networking is always going to be a part of my life, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look down on hip-hop because of some of the negative vibes that it gives off, like talking about bitches and money and cars and hoes and this and that. And um, I think people don't really look at the underground stuff and the stuff that really has true meaning behind it, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, Drake or Lil Wayne or Nicki Minaj. No, it's it's like I, I look more into the underground scene and um, respect people like Tech 9 or even, like, The Game, who's, like, a big rapper on the West Coast, but I feel like it's kind of underrated. And uh, mm-hmm. if you listen to a lot of it, there's, there's a lot of deep meaning in it, and it still can put a good subliminal message to the youth in a positive way. Um, it's just that a lot of it's put off a negative image, and now with – Social networking and, you know, the fact that anybody can own a studio pretty much nowadays, it's kind of 
just fell off in the market like hip hop has and it's sad and it's all turning and pop in the mainstream world of it and uh I don't know, I just kinda of like to try to keep it alive in the underground scene. Um Yeah. And it's and uh, it, you um that, one of your uh songs uh I wanna play it. It's called uh you mentioned um Super Ego Beats before was the producer. It's called Brothers Till the End featuring Alter Ego. Tell us a little bit about the song, and then we'll, we'll play it. Sure. Um, that song was about actually a few of my friends that I mentioned that I was in a group with and some people from back in Milwaukee. And um, and I think you could probably relate and a lot of other people could relate. It's about um, friends that you had growing up and how you've had a lot of bad times with them and a lot of good times with them. But no matter what you've been through, what kind of bullshit you've been through, um how you've stuck together with, you know, certain people that you can look at now and say through all the good and bad, we stuck together, you know, and mm-hmm. it kind of tells the story of how like we used to do pro wrestling when we were kids playing in the backyard and then we moved on to music and then we partied when we were teenagers and in our early twenties. And now through all the good and bad and all the craziness, like we've stuck together and it's just about being brothers till the end, you know, with your friends, like staying true to your friends and, and just being brothers till the end. So that's what that song is about. Absolutely. All right. Here he is, Young Cropes with Brothers Till the End featuring Alter Ego. We'll be right back with Young Cropes. Through differences and hate, we still kept strong. 
strong base by each other's side. We will always stand, lending a helping hand. We're brothers till the end. Brothers till the end, through thick and thin. Embracing who we are, looking back where we've been. We had it all back then, with just a bottle of gin. Taking back to memories of where it all begins. We had it all back then, when we had nothing. But we took what we had and turned it into something. Looking back now, I do it all over again. Got your back now, like I had to stand. Brothers till the end. Brothers till the end, we remain connected. Brothers from another mother with the same perspective. It took a little time to get the team collected. And you ain't gotta like it, but you need to respect it. The dream is manifested through dedication. All work, no play, reputation. Anything we can for any one of our friends. United we stand, we're brothers till the end. Through blood, sweat, and tears, I knew we'd be alright. Through differences and hate, we still can have a strong base by each other's side. We will always stand, lending a helping hand. We're brothers till the end. Through blood, sweat, and tears, I knew we'd be alright. Through differences and hate, we still can have a strong base by each other's side. We will always stand, lending a helping hand. We're brothers till the end. Super ego on the beat. Ultra ego on the track. Well, we're forward to the A13. Time to unite and reunite. 2013 Dub Entertainment. Got to be brothers to take care of one another. Young Cropes featuring Alter Ego, Brothers Till the End. Very good song, sir. Uh, did you Thank happen you. to see the uh, VMAs last night? I did not, but I keep um, seeing pictures on Facebook of a chicken ass and then Miley Cyrus's <laughs> ass, like right next to it. And uh, I think it's hilarious. Like, okay. I don't know what she was, she was thinking to show her uh, the chicken ass thing to, like, the whole world, but... I guess it is what it is. <laughs> um, and how important, speaking of uh, comedy, I guess, how important is comedy in your music? Oh, man, um, that's another thing I was going to tell you is, like, I love incorporating the comedy because it keeps people listening. You know, like, some people might not be into hip-hop. Like, hip-hop is one thing, but it's like, if you can make people laugh, that's another whole story. And uh, I don't know if you were, if you looked into it or not on my page, but... um. I got a song called Swamp Ass on there. Um mm-hmm. just talking about it <laughs> talking about like, having sweaty butt cheeks at work and feeling like you gotta wipe and that's like a long story or whatever. It sounds disgusting, I know, I'm not even gonna it's a long story. Um What happened? I did a song about We got time. I was at I was at work actually and uh uh-huh. actually one of the guys that was in my Bruce and Baller group, I used to work with him and uh he's like, Man, like you ever get swamp ass like when you're at work? And I'm like I'm like, what the hell is swamp ass? He's like, you know, that feeling like when you're when it's humid and your butt cheeks are sweaty and you feel like you got to go in the bathroom and wipe. And I was like, oh, I'm like, what the hell, dude? And I'm like, I was like, I guess you know maybe I have, but I was like, you tell people that you get swamp ass. And then he told me I should make a song about it. And I was like, you know what? I was like, that's a really fucking good idea. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna write a song about swamp ass. And I did. And uh. I performed it a few times, too, like at little local shows and stuff, like little venues around here. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to gross people out, you know. And I haven't done, like, huge shows in front of, like, hundreds of people, maybe, like, 100 some at most. Mm-hmm. But um, I did Swamp Ass, thinking I was going to gross people out, and they thought it was, like, the funniest shit in the world. And they're like, dude, 
that is awesome. You got to make more songs like Swamp Ass. So I made one about Charlie Sheen, like when he was going through his whole uh, drug issue after Two and a Half Men, after he got kicked off of there. And uh, you can look that one up too on YouTube or or whatever, or Google it. Young Cope's Charlie Sheen. But um, I just thought it was hilarious to like just write about all the crazy shit that he'd been through. And I looked him up on Wikipedia and there's little facts about him. And I just realized like how crazy of a life that he had. So I was like, I'm going to make a song called Charlie Sheen. I did one called uh, Fast Food Freestyle where I was just rapping about like McDonald's and Taco Bell and having the munchies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and people seem to really like dig that one. So the comedy thing is definitely like important because if you can make people laugh, that don't even really like hip hop, like you're doing something a little more with it, you know. You have a song called Crazy White Boy Dance. What's what's that all about? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's another one that I produced, which now that you mention it is like another comedy type track. And uh it really is like really has like no official meaning behind it. It's just about being a crazy white boy and doing a crazy white boy dance and uh I don't know, I thought it was really stupid. And uh, there's even a little video for that one on there, but, but people seem to, like, enjoy that one, too, and get a little kick out of it. Um, I'm just talking about... You've written some rock. serious stuff, too, right? Well, what are some of the more, more serious topics you've written about? Yeah, the more serious stuff is stuff that's, like, more current. Um, I kind of faded away from that whole party life, you know, and just now that I'm a little older, and I just had a baby. My wife actually just had a baby last week, so we have a little daughter. Congratulations. Thank you, yeah. She's a, she's beautiful, man, like everything that I could have ever imagined. So, um, you know, you get older and I guess you grow up and a lot of musicians, their music changes with them. So I think mine's changed with me. Um, I have a song called Change, and it talks about uh, the music industry and just how it's changed over the years and how people, friends, family change around you, um, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, kind of like Brothers Till the End. Uh, then there's Brothers Still and the song that you just played, which has a lot of meaning behind it about talking about friends. Uh, even though you had nothing, you know, you took what you had and turned it into something. And uh, there's another one that's more recent called Not Ballin'. And, uh, and it talks about um, just all those things that rappers, stupid shit that rappers talk about, like gold teeth and like rims on their cars and, and posting pictures on Facebook of their rent money and, like, trying to look like they have money when it's, like, their rent money. So it's, like, I'm kind of calling people out and saying that they think they're balling when they're not balling. That's why I named it Not Balling. So, like, a lot of the stuff has a lot more serious topics that I with the music that I create now. Um, but I'm thinking that I have to go back to doing a little bit of comedy here pretty soon because, like, you got to have the comedy in there too, you know? all about the balance. Uh, and you've also used samples of, of older rock songs. You mentioned Metallica before. Who are some of your uh, favorite rock bands? Oh, man, I grew up listening to uh, a lot of punk rock music, like No Effects. And, uh, you know, I love, like, reggae even and, like, Sublime and stuff like that. And uh, a punk rock group called Mest. It was like, kind of like a pop punk rock group from Chicago. I'm not sure if you ever heard of them, but... Um, no. There's there's a lot of uh, rock and reggae and other. I can pretty much listen to anything except for a country. I'm just not a big, not a big country fan, I guess. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but um, 
But Papa Roach, Papa Roach has been one of my favorites for years now. I got to go on their bus here a couple of years ago because I had a VIP meet and greet, and um, that was really cool. So it's like it's not even just the hip hop; it's like all music influences me, and uh, I just want to keep evolving and, and to keep listening to more. It's just that the whole mainstream thing is really isn't my thing. You know, it's a lot of the radio tries to push stuff to make you like it. When in reality, like if I went home, if I came home right now and made a song, the same song that Lil Wayne made that was on the radio like a month ago, and he never made it, like nobody would probably give a shit about it. But because he wrote it, you know, it's like it's going to get the radio play and, and mainstream just really not not my thing, to be honest with you. And uh, mm-hmm. I was in a competition here in Tampa called the Next Level Artist Showcase, and it, there was like six different shows in the span of like a month or two. And I came in first place in the first show and went on to the final round and came in, like, third place in the final round. And I had a promoter come up to me after the show, and he told me, man, you know, like, me personally, I was really digging you. He's like, you're different, you got a good sound, but uh, he's like, the judges are looking for more of that, you know, like, mainstream kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I don't care that I didn't win because that's not what I'm shooting for. I'm just trying to be myself and, and be different. Right. And... uh I sent some stuff over to the local radio station here, 93.3. It's like the, one of the hit stations here. And uh, I sent it to a guy that <clears throat> works on um, getting local artist spotlights done like every once in a while, and he turned me down because he told me I didn't have a top 40 sound. And I told him, well, you interviewed one of my buddies on here who is also like a rapper here in the area. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, what's so different about him that's, different or not different for me and he's like well you have like 90 some thousand likes on his facebook page which i don't know how the dude got that many but it's like okay so you know he he basically did it because of how many fans the guy had and uh yeah i don't know it's just it's kind of a a cruel world out there when it comes to the the music industry sometimes most definitely and uh tell me about the song that you recorded for the tampa bay rays Okay. Yeah. Um. Back in I think it was like 2008 or 09. No, it was like 08. Um. Right after I moved down here. Um. Because I'm a huge baseball fan. Um. Mm-hmm. More so a Milwaukee Brewers fan because I'm from Milwaukee. But I really got into the Tampa Bay Rays when I moved here and uh, decided to write a little like dedication track to them and just talk about the players in it. And um. Went to the game and handed out CDs and stuff afterwards to the fans that were walking out of the stadium, and it ended up on one of their on one of their websites. Like I was just sitting googling like Young Cropes a while back, trying to see like what stuff I had like on the internet that I didn't know of, and I realized that the song was on one of the Rays websites, like DevilRays.com or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool that they had uh, that they had noticed it. And I had tweeted it over to uh, a bunch of the Rays players. I don't know if they ever heard it, but um, it was just kind of cool to get that message across and uh, performed it actually right here in Tampa Bay. Um, so it was cool to, like, write a song about something that I had, like, interest in, you know, like uh, a baseball team or a professional team and kind of get some, like, exposure with it. Even though I'm not really the artist that looks for, like, major exposure, it's still you want to get – somewhat of an underground exposure because you want your voice to be heard, you know? So that was, yeah. like, definitely a cool experience. 
And uh, tell me about, uh, do, do you have any uh, touring plans in the near future? Um, I don't right now just because of just having the baby. Uh-huh. Uh, there were a few shows that I was scheduled to, that I was going to possibly do. Um, there's still maybe one here September 28th in Tampa, so if there's anybody listening that's in the Tampa Bay area, you may be able to catch me September 28th at uh, the Pegasus Lounge in Tampa, which is over by Bush Gardens, but it's not it's not 100% sure yet. If it does happen, I'll probably post it on, on my website. I have uh, youngcropes.com set up with all my sites linked to it, so if it does end up happening, it will be posted on there, but um, with the baby right now, I just have, I haven't scheduled anything until me and my wife and baby get settled down at home, you know what I mean? What's your baby's name? Kaylin. Kaylin, very beautiful. Uh, all right, Young Cropes, it has been a pleasure checking out youngcropes.com, new album coming, we think in January. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good night. Thank you very much. You too. Take care. Bye. You too. All right, that was Young Cropes. Uh, check them out, youngcropes.com. Our next guest, the album is called The Sea Has Spoken. Uh, please welcome back to the show from experimental folk band, Songs of Water, Stephen Rope. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fine. So what's been going on since the last time you were here? Starting fires and causing trouble. Just, you know, <laughs> normal. <laughs> no, we've been busy working uh, on I, a new record. I hear that you're you're working on a uh a new album. Yeah, that's true. And uh we're hoping that we'll have it out uh by January two thousand fourteen. January. So it seems like a lot of things are happening that month, uh, for you and Alaska. Um so January twenty fourteen, new album. What can fans expect to hear from the new album, sir? Well, this album's going to be uh, pretty different than a lot that we've released before. Um, we started the project in January of this year, and when we went into the studio, uh, we basically had uh, maybe only about 20% of the music uh, pre-written. Mm-hmm. And everything else that uh, we've been working on, we've composed in the studio uh, as we've gone along. So there's been a lot of writing and rewriting and sort of, um, you know, getting to know the characteristic of the album as we go along. And uh, whereas The Sea Has Spoken is is really driven by instrumental compositions um, and uh, just a lot of different instrumentation, this album is going to be more uh, based around uh, composition and songwriting. Um, and uh, there's there's about ten songs on the record, and I think seven of those at this point are lyrical so it'll be quite mm-hmm. a difference. Sure. Um, you uh, you guys are making a documentary about the making of the new album. Why? <laughs> I've been asking myself the same question. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but I, I think, um, you know, uh, there's been a big interest on the creative process of, of how we come up with the music that we write. Um, for those listening that don't know us, uh, we're seven members. Uh, each person in the band uh, is a multi-instrumentalist and, uh, and a composer in their own right. And so coming together, uh, for, you know, sort of finding the, the music and the sounds that, that we create together um, 
it's it's quite an interesting thing to to watch. And so we decided to do a documentary on the album uh, to sort of capture some of that process uh, behind the scenes and uh, picking the instruments uh, that we're going to use and uh, how all of our uh, collaborative efforts sort of come together in, in one unit. And um, uh, so that, that's uh, the, the whole documentary will, will focus primarily around um, the writing of these songs and showcasing different um, stages of the process and, and coming up with, with the music that we're putting down on this one. And will Ben Affleck play Batman in your documentary? That's correct. That is correct. Okay. I did hear that. Um, is there some? Is there a reason why you guys want to kind of showcase your uh, writing process? Do you think it's it's very different from, from other bands and that's why you want to put it on film? I, I think so. Um, you know, we, we use a lot of instruments from all over the world. Uh, the hammer dulcimer, um, mm-hmm. which is originally an ancient Persian instrument, um, We've in the past we've done a lot of Middle Eastern instruments, um, but surprisingly we've um, you know in, in this album there's there's even some sounds more from the Far East, um, uh, Japanese influenced sounds um, as as well as um, just new cultural experiments that that we've been working on. It, it's not quite as as Middle Eastern heavy or um, West African heavy as some of our other uh, music has been and. Um, you know, we get asked all the time, "What instrument is that?" and how how did you how did you pick that up? and um, And so, you know, I think the documentary will will answer a lot of questions that people have been hoping to hear answered. Cool. Uh, tell us a little bit about the song "Stars and Dust," the new single from you guys, and uh, I'll go ahead and play that. Sure. Yeah, this song "Stars and Dust" um, is one of the only songs that we had pre-written when we went into this. And uh, it started as sort of an Americana folk um, composition, and uh, it is one of the lyrical songs. And um, we performed it, um, let's see, last February um, at the Carolina Theater uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I believe uh, the live version of that song may be what you have, but it's uh, it's sort of a song, it's a, it's a little uh, plaintive um and uh, lyrically, um, it's about uh, inspiration and just that uh, desire to experience wonder um, and something breathtaking, I think, that everybody shares and, and the loss of that moment. And so it's, uh, it's um, you know, um, poetic in nature uh, lyrically, but it, it's one of the more Americana-friendly songs that we have uh, that will be showcased on the record All right, uh, here they are, Songs of Water with Stars and Dust. We'll be right back with Stephen Roach. Yeah, disappeared. 
beautiful song. Stephen Roach with his band Songs of Water. Um, Stephen, uh, you guys are set to tour Australia in the fall, correct? Yes, sir. We'll be over okay. there for two weeks. Why? Why are you doing that? So far away. Uh, <laughs> well, I've I've been to the country uh, myself uh, several times. I've made a lot of friends over there, and uh, just really love the country. And there's uh, actually uh, quite a few people there that are familiar with Songs of Water and are supporters of what we're doing. And mm-hmm. uh, so I just determined to. Um, to do a trip over there, and with, within a month, I had uh, just about every major city in the in the country had opened its doors to us, and uh, everything came together. And so, we're, this will be the first international tour that the band has done together as a whole. Um, so it'll be pretty pretty adventurous, I'm sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, do you have any dates set for the states in the near future at all? We just uh, we just finished a run um, as of yesterday, actually, and so we're taking the next few weeks to continue working on the album and to get ready for Australia, and then I believe the next time uh, we'll be doing some things in the States will be uh, November, um, maybe the end of October, November, and we usually keep our website pretty, pretty up to date with those. Um, I think we're going to be going up north to Boston and Philly. Um, in that area, and um, um, yeah, we'll see where else we go. I'm not I'm not sure exactly yet where, where the route will be, but it'll probably be October, November when we get back out there here. Awesome. All right. Well, before we go, we always play a game on the show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you, Stephen Roach, a list of things. You tell me if they are hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? <laughs> You know, strangely enough, I, th- I think I remember being subjected to this game before, so uh, <laughs> I am as ready as I will be. <laughs> Let's do it again. All right, first up on Hot or Hot Mess, twerking, hot or hot mess. <laughs> Define twerking. <laughs> no, I know exactly. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, I'm not even sure what it is, Miley but it's Cyrus, what Miley, Miley Cyrus is doing. Yeah, I think it's lame is what I think, but you can call it a hot mess if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, how about Miley Cyrus herself, or as I like to call her, Molly Ray Cyrus? Hot or hot mess? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. My wife's in the other room laughing, so I'll let you answer that. <laughs> Okay. Um, how about uh, – ju- I'm going to say hot for Miley. What about Justin yeah, Timberlake? There you go. Hot or hot mess? Justin Timberlake. Uh, so you're painting me in a corner. I, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, I'll speak on behalf of all the 16-year-old girls that would probably say he's hot. But, but for me, I don't know. Timberlake doesn't do a whole lot for me. <laughs> you know it's okay to like him now. It's not, you know, it's it? not ten years it, ago. It's okay to like him, though. Okay. Yeah. So I can, I can um, already come out about that. <laughs> How about uh, Taylor Swift, T Swizzle, hot or hot mess? Oh, hot, of course. Hot. All right. What about um, the MTV Video Music Awards from last night? Hot or hot mess? Hot mess. Undoubtedly. <laughs> did, did you see it? <laughs> 
were you able to watch it? No, I'm I'm just sort of imagining and basing a judgment off of that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And I bet um, I'm accurate. <laughs> and uh last up on Hot or Hot Mess, Songs of Water, Hot or Hot Mess. Uh that's that's incredibly a hot mess there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hottest of the hot messes there. Oh, okay. But well those are the best, the hot, hot messes. Yeah, yeah. You you climb into a fifteen passenger van with us and you'll see what I mean. We call it the pirate. <laughs> oh ship. boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do is uh we're gonna end the interview there, but I'm gonna play us out with uh uh what's what's this song called? Chorizo? What is it? Shira she, uh, <laughs> uh hot or hot mess, I'll ask you. <laughs> I mean my my pronunciation of it is a hot mess, absolutely. Yes. It's uh, Kiraskira. Okay, and what's that about? Uh, it's a visual art term, and it refers to the play of light and shadow in a particular sequence. And so the song itself is sort of based off of that theme of um, light and shadow uh, interacting off of each other. All right, fair enough. Kiras, say it again so I can pronounce it. <laughs> Kiraskira. Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. Yeah, we give free so good? we give free CDs to people that pronounce it right at our concerts, so don't feel bad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Stephen Roach, it's a pleasure as always. Check him out. Songs of Water is the name of the band. Uh, album coming out, we think, in January. Uh, thanks so much for joining the program again, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good night. Here they are. All with- right. Chiaroscuro, Stephen Roach with his band Songs of Water.
Songs of Water with Chiaroscuro. Check them out. Follow them on Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Songs of Water. Um, all right, everybody. Tune into our Blazing Ride Backstage program on Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, it'll be this coming Wednesday, August 28th, will be the next show. And so uh, if you want something zany, holler at your smoking nephew and his partner in crime, Jonathan Weeks. Uh, in the meantime, I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence, and if you have a Barbie doll, bend her backwards, strip her off those clothes, burn her knuckles on the stove, and leave her in some drawers somewhere. Good night, everybody.